The following is not intended for younger audiences. The opinions expressed do not reflect the views of the podcaster's employers. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Welcome! Oh come on, Richard! Don't don't get me too excited. Come on. It's okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. Welcome, everyone. Guys, this is a very very tough um, tough evening for Richard. This is this is the evening where if you thought we couldn't sink any lower, uh, we 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 sunk to our lowest low with uh, with this week's episode. But that's a whole other story. It's okay. I will, uh, he really isn't <clears throat> okay, folks. Folks, send him a message. Tell gonna, tell Richard he's really a great guy, and it, it's it's I, it's not it's not entirely his fault that this happened. It's only fifty percent of his fault because the other fifty percent is me <laughs> for letting it happen. You know, I could have said no, but I didn't. I have morbid curiosity. But welcome everyone to two dudes, one double feature. The show in which two dudes talk two films, and that is about it. I am Dude One, Richard. And after today, I used to be Dude Two, Joe. <laughs> you can't leave. I don't want to be by myself. As I say I say that to my brother all the time lately now. I'm just like, dude, how do you think, how do you think I feel? I don't even want to be with me, man. <laughs> Probably said that on the podcast a few I, weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? If it makes you feel any better, I, I enjoy your company. I, I appreciate that. I think we're able to boost each other up. Uh, you know, it's it's nice. Th- this week, this, it helps. It helps that we did this together. <laughs> you know, when we do this show, folks, it's a very therapeutic process because the pandemic, as we know, is awful for a multitude of reasons, and this this helps us a little bit. Uh, you know, we talk about mm. talk about some good movies usually. This will be therapeutic for other reasons. Cathartic, I think, might be the more appropriate term this week. It'll be like a release. Yeah. So normally at this point, we we talk about how we're doing, but I think you can clearly tell where at least my mindset is at. We're we're struggling <laughs> with this one. So I we're, let's just I just want to just rip it off like a band aid. We're just gonna get through it. We're just gonna start off with our first double feature. It is the nineteen. 19- 97 film The Pest. And I, I, I think that title is, is very applicable for, for that movie. I think, <laughs> and you know what? I got to give this movie credit. Let me start off with some good things, okay? Very strong things, all right? Um, <laughs> I think there there is exactly one funny line in the movie, and th- that being, I didn't know there was a Scottish mob. The worst part is it comes out of Jeffrey Jones's mouth. Which is... Yeah, Jeffrey Jones. Um, that's we'll talk about Damn it. it. So, anyway, and then the other thing is the opening of this movie. Okay, it's honest with what it is, and if you don't like the first five minutes, you can turn it off because that's the movie. That is the film. <laughs> it's literally it, it. It it it's at least it knows what it is. That doesn't mean it's a good thing. It's like if it's like if you met a serial killer. <laughs> and they were like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm aware. I kill people. I, I kind of get. I kind of like it." And you're like, "Cool, but 
I'm going to call the cops on you. <laughs> well, or if you try to kill me, I will defend myself, but you know. And the only other thing I will mention that is positive, but it's also a negative and for what we'll bring up later, but there is a semi-interesting thread with what they do with the story, but we're going to talk about more about it in a bit, but I just wanted to address that off the top. It's yeah. it's well, you know, it's hard I, to come up with nice things. I'm sorry. It, it's very. <laughs> uh, I am struggling. Okay. L- listen. Okay. If I had to put like even just the entire episode like thematically into a box, I think there are two ideas that come to mind. Idea number one is that these this movie and our second movie, which we'll talk about are examples of when studios really try to to build a movie or even a show because this happens all the time like they'll try to build a movie or a show around a single person and their work like home improvement and seinfeld are both shows based off the stand-up of the central comedians who star in those shows and sometimes it works like with seinfeld sometimes it doesn't work and in this instance sometimes it really doesn't work. <laughs> like, it just does not work at all. Like, there's nothing about it that works. The second idea is the idea of nostalgia and how, you know, it's sometimes, it's 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 something that we use when we look fondly on something. Like, we talked about the mummy in the last episode, the 90s mummy. I was very nostalgic for it, and I still enjoy it. And it's nice when you can still enjoy something that you grew up with or watched as a, as a kid. That could be the best feeling, honestly. Like when we talked about <laughs> that, like Batman that Mask, can be... like Batman Mask of Phantasm and Gargoyles are things you know you watch as kids, and you're like you're able to appreciate them and enjoy them as adults. It's such a wonderful feeling. However, sometimes you revisit something and you and you question every decision you made, even though you were a child <laughs> and you didn't know any better. <laughs> But you still did this, <laughs> and you're ashamed, and that's what this movie is specifically for me, because I like this was during the '90s era when John Leguizamo was like kind of rising in his career. Mm-hmm. Nice. <laughs> that was that was that was better than the entire movie. You want me to keep that? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> 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 any other episode i'd be like this one i think it needs to stay uh mm-hmm. i am drinking root beer so it might happen on my end mm. but no this was like during that time like he was in you know super mario brothers which you know has its own legacy um he was in spawn which was another movie i sort of not as much as this but i also sort of regret watching mm-hmm and, you know, he did a few other little things. Uh, he was in, I think he was in Romeo and Juliet, the Baz Luhrmann version. Yes, he was. He was in that one, which is, in its own right, is kind of a wild movie. Uh, with a lot of in- in- insane choices. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be curious to watch that one again. I've I've seen it once. But... Yeah, that's a that's a whole other thing. I watch clips period periodically because again, there's there's some visually interesting things going on with that with that one, but we're not talking about mm-hmm. um, an interesting no. movie here. We're talking about <laughs> we're talking about this sadly, <laughs> um, but it was it, it kind of came out when uh, in that sort of mix of movies when John Leguizamo was making a career for himself, 
and he was doing his his one man shows, his stand up shows. Um, he actually did one that was directed by Spike Lee, which is really cool. Oh, really? Hmm. Uh, Spike Lee directed one of his one of his stand up shows. I think he was in a couple Spike Lee movies too, but I forget which ones. I think actually no, I think it was the one you were telling me about the other day. That's also got the the blackout, like the New York City blackout in it. Um, summer summer of Sam. Yeah, yeah, that's it. He's in that one. And it also should be said, we like John Leguizamo. We talked about him twice on this show. And both times, we liked him in that. John Wick, he's great. In Chef, he's great. I love him in Chef. He's so funny. He's so funny in Chef. Uh, it's just this one is, is not that, sadly. Um, but I, this was this was definitely a movie that, because of me being interested in those things when I was younger, I watched frequently. And I think... Maybe part of it, too, is just because it was flashy and reminded me of cartoons and, you know, being someone with ADHD, you know, it's very, very fast paced. So that probably helped. That would be my guesses on all of that. But the difference, at least with this one, is that for you, you didn't have that any of that nostalgia. And so I was really scared, like not not necessarily curious or even scared in, a, in like a nervous, like, oh God, is he going to like it kind of way? Like, I was genuinely scared that you were going to witness this movie. <laughs> so, what, 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 what's your take on it? Well, like, feel, free, feel free to use one or, or multiple words. I'm just, I'm just curious. Poop. All right, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> no! <laughs> I don't want to be by myself. All right, okay. I'm back. Uh, <laughs> this movie, okay, so... Again, as you said, I have zero nostalgia for this. In fact, I don't even think I heard of yeah. this movie until, until I said you it. told me about it. And um, uh, funny enough, I also discovered a, a, a review from one of my favorite like YouTube like people, the, the double folks at Double Toasted. They do these bad movie reviews. And they did a review of The Pest and our next film in our double feature um, in their double feature this week. But The Pest, I have no nostalgia for. I never seen it. Um, I actually was feeling bad for you because I'm like, for me, <laughs> yes, this is this is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Yes, no question, no <laughs> doubt. Okay, I gave it half a star in Letterboxd, which does not happen often. All right, but it's earned. But I will say, I will say, I felt worse for you because you had to go through it again. Like I don't, I, I only need to see this thing once. You've seen it more than once. So I'm sorry, Sadly. I'm sorry, good sir, that you had to sit through this. But let's talk about what the hell this movie's about. Can we, like, seriously, like... Well, do you remember, do you remember in grade school? Yeah. When um, you were learning about, uh, it's, it's, it's a little story uh, called The Most Dangerous Game. I remember reading it in high school. I, same, ninth grade. Yeah, ninth, ninth grade, and I love the... Um, uh, the the Cooper Shotsack movie, the same guys who made King Kong, they made it around the same time as uh, as King Kong. Really good, really short movie. Well, um, this movie is actually an adaptation of that. <laughs> Oddly it, it is. <laughs> like, but imagine, if you will, uh, this change to that narrative, where the character being hunted is John Leguizamo as a mile-a-minute scam artist who is just generally a piece of shit. Like, for some reason, he has friends. 
Somehow his family likes him and people actually enjoy him. But he's a piece of shit. And he's a scam artist. And that's his day trade, is that he scams people of their money. While also, um, one of several times in the movie, pretends to be Asian and works at a Chinese restaurant. That's a long sequence. (laughs) That is a long... It it goes on. It really does. (laughs) But... um, I, I told Joey, I was like, imagine if Eddie from Ed and Eddie was live action <laughs> and even more awful than he was, than he, than the character is on, on that cartoon. And that's more or less where we'd be at with, with his name is Pest, by the way, in the movie. Like it's Pestario Vargas, I believe is his character's name, but everyone calls him Pest. And he uh, accidentally gets noticed by these two clearly uh, German Nazi hunters. <laughs> One oh, by, by, by the way, they're not. By the way, I just want to say they're they're not they're not Nazi hunters, as in they hunt Nazis. They are hunters who happen to be Nazis. Who are? I just want to spe- not- yes. yes. I just want to specify that. That's a very important distinction because otherwise this movie would sound kind of awesome. Like it'd be like that that Amazon series where there's like Nazi <laughs> hunters. <laughs> like I don't know what. <laughs> <laughs> Just Al Pacino trying to kill John Leguizamo and it was really annoying. <laughs> Hoya! Wait, wrong movie. <laughs> I shot him in the head. <laughs> oh my god! Um, Scottish so, mob. Yes, um, that should be mentioned, because at some point in the movie, we learned that one of his scams didn't work out for him, so now he owns the Scottish mob, (laughs) $50,000, which leads to Joey's favorite line, which is, again, you say it, (laughs) I didn't know there was a Scottish mob. And it's like said like it's like such like a quaint like oh like good for them <laughs> like oh wow, wow. nice and and it, and everything and everything is so stereotypical and and everything is so racist to like like all the different portrayals like so like especially with the Scottish mob so like um, at one point Pest says something about Sean Connery's birthday and then someone overhears them say it and starts playing the bagpipes. With pride. For he's a jolly good fellow. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh and you're like, god. oh my god. <laughs> oh. But, yeah, so essentially he's being hunted, but he's offered the chance if he's able to make it through the entire day without getting killed by these Nazis. Um, which, the more I talk about this plot, the more it's hard to believe it's real. So just to put it in perspective, like, so there's a scene where he go, he goes to their place, right? And there's a lot of hunting trophies. And it's a big scene in most dangerous game where they see like the hunting trophies of different people, you know, but this time it's, it's, it's just people of different like ethnic backgrounds and races that this, this Nazi has hunted. And one of them, one of the, the empty one is, um, and this is, it's hard for me to say this, but this is in the movie. Just to give you an idea of what this movie is. Uh, is it Spitica, uh, Latinus uh, Spiticus or something? 
something like that. It's, it's, it's supposed to it's be a play thing. on like it's it, it's this isn't an excuse for it at all. But like if I had to try to understand it, I guess it's supposed to be kind of like in the Roadrunner cartoons when like he would freeze. And then it would say like Road Road Runner or something. Yeah, I was trying to like, give it like, like a sci- his species like a, designation, like the scientific name for something, you know, or whatever. But, but it's it so... just comes off really offensive <laughs> and terrible. Oh my gosh! Um, so it's and it becomes really weird because you're like, there, there's no one that you really like in the movie, and so like you don't know who to root for. Like like you hate the Nazis, but you want them to kill the past. <laughs> so <laughs> and it's terrible you the only person i i think i ever felt bad for was the son and and the one friend um who was already it's already bad on him that he happens to be friends with the pest but you know who i feel bad for in this movie joe morton yeah because he's in it he's too good for this movie like listen he's in the theatrical cut of justice league and he's still like like this i would i feel more bad on this than i do with that i'm just saying at least in in at least in justice league he's not a hunting trophy and his like white is like the kid he's someone's dad i forget who in um in in pest he's the pest girlfriend's dad yes. yeah 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 mm-hmm. yeah yeah that whole scene was just so, like I feel like that scene was his first day on set, and it would that like he wasn't acting in that. I refuse to believe he was acting. That was just him reacting, going, "What the hell is going on with this? What did I sign up for, <laughs> dear God?" There's there's literally a point, and you could tell in this movie. There's literally a point where like you can argue the first like maybe if I'm being generous, half hour feels like something of a plotted story. Yeah. Doesn't mean it's good, but if it's put together like a plot, but then I think, it, I think it's literally the moment when he gets off the Island and escapes back. Cause he lives in Miami. He escapes back to Miami to try to get away from the hunters. I think it's at that point that the movie just forgets that it's a movie. And it's just a, like a series of moments that they thought would be funny. It's just a collection of scenes. Like it just felt it, like a bunch of outtakes nonsense. that are loose that are lo- outtakes that are loosely stitched together, you know. And that's the only other interesting thing I can say with this movie is like I haven't read the short story in a while and I've only as far as like mainline like adaptation of most dangerous game I've only ever seen the 1932 one. But what's interesting about this is that they leave the island at some point, which I do think is a fascinating enough concept uh but you know, <laughs> if only it was a better movie. <laughs> if only it was a better movie. I will say, there was one subplot that I had some minor interest in. Okay. And it was the bit, because obviously, you know, uh, there's like, there's a there's a, a wedge in the relationship, uh, father and son, between um, Jeffrey Jones's character, the Nazi hunter dude, and his son, who just wants to, you know, be himself and, you know, write musicals and be a hairdresser, I believe he says. And it, it it does make for some somewhat interestingly funny moments because it could be like, what if you had, like, imagine if you had a movie where a supervillain 
and his son like struggled in like like a typical father son like you know I want you to be a supervillain. It like it's why it's why I love the the relationship between Doctor Evil and Scott Evil in the Austin Powers movies because it's just really funny. Mm-hmm. Because it's literally Scott Evil just wants to like you know live his life and watch like movies and listen to rock music, but Doctor Evil wants him to be evil and take over the world, and he's like, I don't want to do that, Dad. That's your dream. And so that's a funny thing, but again, it was done in a different movie, much better. Right? Yeah. There's 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 even a scene in Austin Powers um, where they go to like a father son like therapy session, <laughs> where it's literally just this this most wanted supervillain that looks like Doctor No sitting in this room with Linda Car with uh, not Linda Carter, um, Carrie Fisher, pardon me, um, who's like the who's like the doctor mm-hmm. like the therapist and all these guys are like telling their like father son struggle stories and then and then scott and dr evil are just sit there i'm just i think i'm just reminiscing on a better movie now i, I feel <laughs> that's like, what's happened i feel like we've talked more about the austin powers movies than we have about the pest at this rate which is not an issue with me but you know this i do like the austin powers movies, but admittedly. yeah this move like you know like there's something to be said about like there there are some we've talked about movies that can be like that have been viewed as like offensive. We talked about Tropic, you know, Tropic Thunder and Team America, mm-hmm. where, but they're at least trying to make a point. Whereas I feel like this is one of those movies where it says I want to offend everyone, and that's the premise. Like that's it. That's it. That's it. <laughs> it's like it's like it's like this is funny, right? See, I'm doing, uh, it's, it, it makes me think of like when, when kids would like pull their eyes, you know, and like start speaking like a ter- stereotypical, like Asian accent, thinking it was funny and, and it's not <laughs> like, it's, it's like that, but as a movie, you know what I mean? Yeah. For you, was this just something that was just, did you have this on tape? Did you just watch this on, was this on TV? This, I think this was part of like a cycle of movies that was shown to me from my, cause like my babysitter, uh, when I was younger, she had this, like, cause she would, she would record movies off of HBO mm-hmm. and she would show them to us. Right. And so there's like a whole, some great ones too. So, I mean, like a lot of like, like my early love for like Tim Burton came from that, like Edward Scissorhands and Beetlejuice, which admittedly was probably not a movie I should have watched at a young age, but I did. And I, I still get a kick out of it. Mm-hmm. But it was <clears throat> it was movies like that and Back to the Future, uh, Jurassic like like movies like she would show us all those movies and obviously a lot of Disney movies because you know it's probably a good idea to sh- throw in some actual movies made for children. Uh, <laughs> uh, so like I, I I was trying to remember this if it was part of that rotation if she somehow like had it mixed up that way or because I also remember liking movies like spawn and and to a lesser extent super mario brothers when i was really little and he was in both of those movies so i thought maybe that had a correlation right to, that led me to watch the pest okay and latch onto it because i like john leguizamo and i saw him in other things that i liked mm. but if i'm being completely honest i have no clue how when or where i first watched this movie okay <laughs> but those would be my best guesses 
I was just I was just curious, like if there was this is like I'm so sad for younger me. This like um, this makes me think of Loki right now. I wish like the TVA was around, like because this feels like a Nexus event. <laughs> you having to watch the pest, <laughs> like <laughs> I just oh, I was imagining God, so... Owen Wilson coming down right now <laughs> to like get me out of here. <laughs> oh wow, it's that's that the pest. All right, well he's watching it, so this isn't it. I mean, where's the other? We got to go to another timeline. Get that variant. Ciao. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh god! Now I'm just picturing like, like the McCavity seed from Cats, but ciao, McCavity. <laughs> like he just, like he just disappears, <laughs> like McCavity, but saying ciao. Uh, but you know, just uh, br- briefly, we didn't talk about this. We'll probably talk more about it next week. But uh, Loki was so good. But that's a whole other. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. And this will this will be some time later. So I'm just going to say it now. I love Jonathan Majors, and I'm glad he's in the show. Yes, I'm glad he's in the MCU. Yes, 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 yes. Um, can we wrap up a little bit on, on the past? Yes, please. Because um, we're yes. we're over um, 25 minutes. I do not want to go over a half hour. <laughs> that is my one request. So the past, it's it's awful. I hate the fact that I spent 3.99 to watch this thing on Amazon. It's hurt. It hurts. You know, I don't. It really hurts. I, I, I again, I feel more. I feel worse for Richard who had to see it again. I, I think it needs to be said, and it just, it just isn't funny. I think the only other interesting thing I can think of is this movie flopped so hard on its opening weekend. It was pulled from most theaters after the first weekend. Like, wow. Trust me, it's terrible, and like. <sighs> Again, I, I, I should reiterate this. I still like John Leguizamo. Yes, that needs to be said. To have, but to have an entire movie, which he he has credit in doing the story and everything. On that note, um, to have a whole movie based around like his, like I guess certain aspects of his like stand up or whatever to to make a whole comedy vehicle, it didn't work out. I wish it did. I wish he had something better. I wish he had something that was more in line. But you know what? He was able to uh, pick himself up and have a pretty good, pretty solid career as a character actor. Oh, yeah. Like showing up in various things. And he's always great anytime I see him. No, yeah. He he is terrific. And it's, it always is interesting to see him. Like you said, we talked about him in John Wick and Chef. And I hope to talk about him in more films on this. It's just this one was just not great. Um, no. You know, uh, but, but on th- anyway, on that note, moving on. On that note, we're taking a a brief intermission. When we come back, um, you know what, Richard? I just I I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. <laughs> I guess we'll stay tuned. Welcome back to the Olympic Sports Zone here on WKTXC. And tonight, we'll be reviewing the highlights from the men's 10-meter synchronized diving finals, which took place this afternoon here in Tokyo. Starting off with a clip from the Australian team. Alright, they start out looking confident. Great form from the Aussies on first rotation. Going into that back somersault, it's looking good until, uh uh-oh, break out the surfboards, folks. That entry into the water was nothing short of disastrous. Well, you can see they come out of the somersault into the pike position, they lose their synchronization, and Matthew Mitchum belly flops into the pool. What a splash. Almost as if a bomb had been dropped into the water. 
bomb is the operative word here because not only was this dive a bomb visually, it was also a bomb metaphorically. The Australian team bombed on live TV in front of millions of people, which leads me directly into our next segment. We're going to see a clip from the Butter Sweets. Now I know what you're thinking. The Butter Sweets? Famed surf rock icons? Tex Ritter and the Butter Sweets? What do the Butter Sweets have to do with the men's 10 meter synchronized diving finals in Tokyo? Well, I'll tell you. In 1969, Tex Ritter made the shocking announcement that he was leaving the band and embarking on a solo career, which would go on to span five decades and counting, with millions of records sold, along with the love and validation of strangers all over the world. This decision to split from the group paid off in spades for Tex Ritter, leaving Lamont Applejuice Montgomery and Patty Pato Butter Dean to find a replacement for Tex, and attempt to reinvent the sound of the band. By mid-summer of 1969, they had their new sound, and decided to debut their new group at Woodstock. Well boys and girls, looks like we have ourselves a Christmas miracle, because you're about to witness this never-before-seen bootleg footage from that concert that has been banned in seven countries. So here we have it. The unedited, uncensored performance of Lamont and the new Buttersweet Singers making their Woodstock debut way back in 1969. Let's take a look. Test, test. Is this thing on? Oh. <clears throat> Hello, Woodstock. I'm Lamont, and this here is Patty Dean. And this is our newest member, Toasty Tyrone St. Clement. Hi there! Uh, hello. I haven't decided what my voice is going to be at. I'm sorry. Uh -huh. And um, together, we are Lamont and the new Buttersweet Singers. Hey, where's Tex? Tex Ritter? Well, Tex Ritter is no longer a member of the Buttersweets. Hence, the new butter sweets. Now, now, hold on, just a doggone minute here. Tex Ritter was nothing but a pretty face. I wrote all them songs. He was just a talentless hack from Nebraska. He can't even surf. He's a liar. He didn't have anything to do with the music. We made. So I, I just, you know, deal with it. Thank you for them loyal words. I think I shaved my butt wrong this morning, isn't it? Well, if you're all done verbally assaulting me and my character, maybe we can get to some music. It better be surf rock. What? What? Hold on now. It's it's not. But, but wait, it's a new sound. 
So just calm yourselves and let our mellow vibrations guide you to the land of rhythm and pleasure. This number we'd like to play for you is called The War Machines of Man versus the Fairy People of the Enchanted Forest. That sounds lame! You're lame as shit! Now quiet down Let me tune this dang guitar. Come on. Just one second, let me get this hanging. Let me just get this hanging to you again. Ready to get your worlds rocked. That's what's gonna happen. <clears throat> For a score and twenty years ago I left my home behind A vagabond without a name I slept beneath the hallowed pines And I dreamed a dream so fine It sent shivers down my spine I dreamed of fairy people came to me and took me by the hand They led me to that secret world of the forbidden promised land I saw fields of barley, cows of plenty and hardy country folk Their children running free from care of war-torn days of old Days of old. I ran to join the tiny tots as they passed along the way, but the fairy people held me down and said what they had to say. They said, Well, yes, I have no words. I was in the jingle and uh, I had to drop the into a little big pile of cavalry. Uh, one of the cavalry enveloped the uh, A a little bit and kind of sucked you, like we say, you know. And so I just, I just tried to like stick my hand in there and it went really deep down, you know, bare pop and tape, you know, sticking your hand in there. It was like hell of deep. And um, I pulled the egg out and I was like, oh, this, this feels good. We just got that shit. This dang guitar keeps going out of tune. Tex is a hack! I'm the real talent of this band! We want Tex! If it wasn't for me, Tex would still be selling hot dogs at the bowling alley down in Odessa, Texas! We want the king! We want the king! We want the king! The king? The king of what? Hot dogs? I'm the king of surf rock. I invented surf rock. You want surf rock? Fine! I'll give you surf rock. Toasty! Get on them, oh, bro! Oh boy, oh boy, can I do one of my blues jams? Okay, boys. Just make up some lyrics, I don't care, just go okay, for boys, it! Let's make this real sexy. Now play! Sexy blues jams Slap them skips! Is this what you wanted? Huh? Are you happy now? Let's you sheeple! Oh, 
And we're back. Welcome, everyone, <laughs> to Two Dudes, One Double Feature. In our last segment, I regretted everything outside of spending time with you. That was the one thing I was okay with. And even, even with that last part, I sense uh, some doubt with... Um... <sighs> With with even saying that, so uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I, no, that was that was the one thing I was that got me through it all. Is I got to do with my friend. That's, but now I feel legit. like now I feel like next time we see each other in person, you're gonna be like, oh no, that's the man who I I watched I watched the best <laughs> and Master of Disguise with. Oh have, no, like, like flashbacks, and I'm just gonna be curdling, like doing the like the fetal position in the airport. You're gonna have to drag me. Just, Richard, right, let's when, go. Did the, when did this all start? July 13th and 14th, 2021. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. What does this ink plot look like? <laughs> John Leguizamo! What, is that, what does this ink plot look like? Oh no, it looks like a bad Tony Montana impression! <laughs> anyway. Oh. <laughs> Images I can hear! He's saying little winner and some tiny nuts! Oh no! I'm okay. But anyway, an, uh, um, uh, but, uh, yeah. aside from Richard's <laughs> trauma, we are going to talk about uh, the 2002 uh, case study in in comedy, <laughs> <laughs> The Master of Disguise. <laughs> case that was pretty good. Um, I think I think it should also be said this time. Once again, we love Dana Carvey. This was this 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 what what the hell was this? <laughs> this was the 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 uh, the hit hit uh, Rotten Tomatoes critical darling smash box office. Um, I should also point out, Richard, this film has accolades. Okay, let me tell you, it's got it got nominated for a Kids Choice Award for favorite fart in a movie. It should have won. It should have won. <laughs> You know what? That is, um, that is high praise. It's, <laughs> it is exceeding. And and let me just see. Let me see. It won. It won uh, the stinker in the this 2002 stinker bad movie award uh, with uh, Kung Pao Enter the Fist for most painfully unfunny comedy. <laughs> Oddly enough, though, I probably would have had a better time watching Kung Pao Enter the Fist. I agree with that statement. Yes. yes. <laughs> I agree with that. That, that. that movie tickles my funny bone in, in such a way that I probably should be ashamed, but I'm not. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> The Master of Disguise, this is actually a movie I have nostalgia for. I saw this in theaters back in 2002. Same. I, I, I saw it, uh, I think, the week before, or after, like the week of my birthday, and we wore we wore it like... Dis, like those disguise glasses because we were seeing master of disguise yeah i remember seeing it at my my local movie i didn't see it this at my amc which was the lows at the time i saw it at my, my smaller like more family-owned uh chain with uh with with my brother my mom and a friend of ours at the time and as a kid i loved this movie i thought it was so funny i loved Every second, every scene, I was laughing, <laughs> and this movie has so many like references that I just didn't get as a kid, and I just thought they were so funny. Just like, wow, this is this is like when, um, you know. On that note, I think I think I want to ask, 
who is this movie aimed at? Like, what's the audience this movie is going for? It is aimed at the the, the profit margins of Happy Madison and the producers <laughs> of uh, of this here um, film. Because <laughs> it's just it's because I I grew up with it as well. Not as probably not as much as you. Um, because I mean I found it funny, but like I just remember more people talking about it, and then like. I would periodically just go like, oh yeah, that movie made me laugh. But I hadn't seen it in a really long time. And so watching it for this podcast, while while arguably a smidge better experience <laughs> than watching The Pest, uh, was still kind of painful. It, I, I'll say this much. It's twice the movie that The Pest is, but that doesn't mean it's good. Yeah. Like, at least this one had some decent, like, cinematography and set design stuff. It... Outside of a few strange elements, which we will, we will talk about, this feels like a real movie. The Pest feels like something that was slapped together in a weekend, and it feels like something that like it, it feels like something that people threatened John Leguizamo with, where it's just like, oh, you you better like he was better, stuck in a contract. You, you bet you better do this. Uh, uh, you better do another Ice Age sequel. Otherwise, we're gonna put we're gonna put this out in the public. No, don't do it, please, please don't. <laughs> I already said I was gonna do it. Why would you be so cruel? Whereas this one, it's like it, it, Dana Carvey, Carvey was asked in an interview. He'd probably be like, "Yeah, I did that," and it's not as embarrassing, but it's you know, it's not the best effort. And Dan, we know again, we appreciate Dana Carvey's work, but you know, there's just yeah. there's a lot to talk about with this one. With with this particular movie, similar to The Pest, the whole concept is basing an idea around something specific to Dana Carvey that he's known for with his comedy, and that is he's a really good impressionist. He is. You know, he, he on Saturday Night Live, he, he had a, a bunch of different characters, and he had a bunch of different uh, impressions of famous people. Like, I think of his impression of George H.W. Bush that he was pretty famous for, where he... He would say stuff like, not gonna do it. Nah, I'm not gonna do it. And so this this movie is kind of centered around that concept of him being, okay, you know, he's good at impressions of, like, celebrities in certain movies, but he's also really good at, like, just doing voices. Uh, so someone just went, okay, I have an idea. It was probably Dana. What if we, what if he wears disguises and changes his voice and someone's like okay that's not an entirely bad idea that could possibly be something fun and then i think they just rushed everything else <laughs> no i mean it's yeah i don't know it, it's it, it is a strange <laughs> one so basically basically the the story goes a little something like this so we have there's a long line there's a long family line called the disguises okay mm. <laughs> and they are very good at um, shocker uh, disguising themselves as other. I wouldn't people. have guessed. Oh, I know. But the weirdest <laughs> thing is like they, they have like this thing that's like their equivalent of the force called Energico, and I'm like, you would have thought there would have been been something like a little more like in line with like impersonations. <laughs> No, no. Or we're gonna take we're gonna take the word energy and make it sound stereotypically Italian because the characters are Italian. <laughs> Basically, like there's a long line of the disguises, uh, and then we have Pistachio Disguise. Yes, that is this boy's <laughs> real name, played by uh, Dana Carvey. Oh, Dana. Um, uh, who is, uh, is his? Oh my gosh, his his accent <laughs> in this movie. 
Jeez. Oh, oh god. The head went in the shirt. <laughs> like okay. and, and and his dad um is a, is a James uh James Brolin. Thanos's real father. Thanos's real father is like I don't want my son to go into this business or this line of work. We don't really know why but he doesn't. <laughs> He's honestly like, no. honestly I would understand cuz I look at this poor this this little uh, stereo- incredibly offensive, stereotypic- stereotypically Italian uh, cinnamon roll that is Dana Carvey and say, this boy cannot be a spy. <laughs> but, but of course, because he ha- he's, he's filled to the brim with energy. <laughs> because he can't help but wear costumes. Which you know is a typical kid he thing. He can't you know, help like but to wear imper- impersonate people. Like, think about and he can't help the, but impersonate people too. I, I, I think about the, the the stereotypically like Texan people at the restaurant. <laughs> Give me some man sized meatballs. Am I going too fast for you? Am I going too fast for you? Huh? Huh? Are you mocking my husband? Are you mocking my husband? Because you better not be. Because you better not be. Uh, oh my god! The, the, like, I remember that, too much about this movie. But but here's the other thing with this, okay? And this gets into the best, in my opinion, at least as far as the acting is concerned, the best part of this movie. I think you would probably agree with me. I do. And that would be uh, the dog. No, I'm kidding. Listen, the <laughs> cuteness, like the pest, lives up to his name. Yes, the the cuteness. We call him the cuteness. So, uh, Brett, Brett Spiner is in this movie. Brett Spiner, uh, you know, in, he's been in so many movies, so many great science fiction. He's in Star Wars, next, or Star Trek, pardon me. Ooh, that could have been bad. Uh, Star Trek. Oh, my God. Next Ooh, Generation. I, I, I fe- oh, my gosh. <laughs> Did you did you feel some energy go come at you? <laughs> I felt I, I don't know what I felt, but I gotta get the hell out of here, Rico. <laughs> uh, but okay, um, but Devlin Bowman, okay, Devlin Bowman is the reason to see this. Just watch like a YouTube compilation of his scenes. Like he's this the stereotypical like just rich bad guy who wants his revenge against the disguises because he was put in prison because of um. Because of James Brolin's character, who I cannot remember the dad's name for the life of me, except that he's a disguisey and he's he just you know, calls James him Brolin. he calls him he calls him Papa the whole time. That's all I know about it. He's just Papa yeah, disguisey. We just know he's Papa. He's Papa disguisey. Like this and guy, Mama disguisey. This this guy disguised himself as Bo Derek and uh and Jessica Simpson and all these other people. Freaking Jesse just Ventura. Be Papa and Jesse Ventura to be called Papa disguisey. What a <laughs> disgrace. Anyway, uh. anyway, so Devlin Bowman, the big his big gimmick is whenever he laughs, after he laughs, there's a little fart, he's a, he's a little toot, you know. It's it's not it's not anything like you know elaborate. It's just just a quick little. It's enough to make you giggle. Like Joe, Joey, go ahead, go ahead and laugh real quick. Just get just like. <laughs> <laughs> no, but 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 the best part, <laughs> we're gonna reenact this scene, and I know you know what I'm gonna do. And I'm gonna pretend that I'm running. <laughs> like that's the best scene in the movie, right? Like right there. <laughs> I'm just looking at I'm just looking at the timeline of the recording now, and it's just spikes. 
<laughs> this will be a fun edit, I'm sure. This, this, this will be really fun. Um, no, but but he he's just he's Brett Spiner is also just acting in this movie. Like he's giving a performance in this movie. Like even when he's explaining why he's doing it, and it makes no sense, and then like Kevin Neal is just sitting there going, "Huh," <laughs> like you, it's he's he sells it, admittedly. Like, his evil plan is to steal, like, the world's, like, some world's, like, most, like, famous objects. Like, you know, like, the, like Dorothy's, like, ruby slippers, uh, the, the U.S. Constitution. So this predates National Treasure, by the way. <laughs> I just want to say. So, so James Brolin beat both Sean Bean and Nicolas Cage. It should be yeah. noted. Yeah, get on, get on his level, guys. But... <laughs> And he wa- he wants to to surgically glue uh to like super gl- crazy glue um, a, a really lifelike mask of himself onto James Brolin and then he push James Brolin off a cliff so he fakes his own death. He calls it the perfect crime. But then what happens is uh James Brolin has taps into the dark side of Energico and beco- basically becomes Devlin Bowman. To the point where where Pistachio basically has to talk him out of it. I can't believe I'm talking about the dark side of Energico. What is going on? I don't know. The dark side of Energico. Uh, it's, it's, it's hard to process let's, everything. Uh, um, let's talk about like one of the other like famous scenes in this movie that I'm sure even if you've never seen this movie, uh, you've probably heard. Am I not? Turtle enough for the turtle club. So okay, again this this whole movie is built around Dana Carvey and, and him being a master at making characters and impressions and stuff. And so as the movie plays out, we have various scenes of him in his disguises, and uh, it's also an excuse for Dana Carvey. Hold on, hold on, wait. <laughs> you can keep that in there if you want. Sweet. <laughs> I told you it was coming. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> I'm so sorry. That was bad. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed now. Um, <laughs> but um, he it get, it's an excuse for him to play different characters. So one character, and I think it's like the lead-in character, and it's the best character. So every other character just falters. It just falls to the ground in comparison. Like nothing else works. Um, uh, is the, he doesn't really have a name, but he's the turtle guy, like the the turtle man or whatever. Because they find out that Devlin Bowman had had some custom uh, cigars, and who made those cigars, Richard? The guy from the Mummy, who's the curator. Yeah, that guy. And we, so I'm so sorry he was in that movie. He's in this movie. I'm happy he was in the Mummy. But he made cigars for Devlin Bowman, and it's from a place called the Turtle Club. And uh, Dane, <laughs> a, a Pistachio's bright idea is to become a turtle guy. And he's just like, I feel bad. Like Jennifer Esposito, uh, who plays like so, his so love, in, love interest slash assistant, has to his, go on his, with a straight it, face. <laughs> in his words, she plays his love cake. His, his uh, the other love cake, not the, not the one who's, um, who's with a, a cheating guy or whatever. Who says, Pistachio's? Goodbye, pistachios. 
Yes. Um, <laughs> but she's like she's trying to like they're trying to get some serious work done. She's like he's like turtle, turtle, turtle. You might not turtly enough for the. <laughs> what if harm found its way to you? Terrible, <laughs> terrible turtle harm. Would that change your mind? <laughs> That is the best scene, and I always laugh. I don't care. I love the turtle guy. It's it's not it's not offensive, maybe to turtles, but it's just not offensive. It's it's just stupid, but it's funny. It even just ends weird, but you know it's good. It's fine. He bites the dude's nose off in that one in that one moment, and throws it back on, and that's very strange. But that's another story. That like going back to the <laughs> idea of offensiveness, like. There's some scenes where he's like he's playing all these like stereotypical characters like he's like a snake charmer in one scene, and I think I said to you the one prop I would want to have in this movie other than a turtle club cigar would be Buttercup the the king the cobra that he charms. <laughs> the king cobra. He's like oh my little my, my little Buttercup. <laughs> and as a kid, I'm ashamed to say this, and you know, as a kid, I thought that was like the funniest scene, and it's just like obviously you're just like. Uh, that is just so again it's you know i can say the same thing too it's just with this it's it's movies like this that you know when you watch when you're older like like you it you found it funny when you were little but at least at least now when you're an adult and you watch it you know that it's not and you're like why did i find this funny so it means you you you've gained respect and intelligence as a person and you've matured there's, so, there's that at least there's that can i talk about the 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 process of making this movie a second yeah i mean I, I don't know a lot about like how this movie was made but there's so many like there's so many I- instances that make me think this movie got justice leagued mm-hmm. because like the past as well i just feel like probably even during filming of the movie they just couldn't find a way to make this a workable movie and so like scenes would end so like in the in the post-production they had to just like cobble together what they could like even roger ebert in his review said how commented on how strange it is that the movie itself is probably like an hour long and then there's like 15 minutes of credits that extend longer <laughs> then when the like when the credits are over the movie's still going even there's even even with the fact there's an after sequence like an after credit scene there's still more after it <laughs> it's very strange because it feels like they could have found a way to stitch that into the movie somehow like somewhere like i don't know i feel like i feel like a lot of it was probably Maybe maybe there was some production issues. If there were, I, I that sucks. I'm sorry. It also maybe just felt like at a point because I will say from from a from a relating standpoint, I remember when I was in college and we were working on a short film, and none of us could really come together to come up with a proper idea. Like we had we had an idea, and there was a script, but. I didn't really like it that much because I was I was in charge essentially, um, and we had to like incorporate these different types of scenes in order for it to work, and we couldn't. F- and I got cold feet at some instances, so there was just some things that I didn't want to film because I just was nervous about it. So I'll admit I had a lot of fault in that, but 
we didn't like by the time the film was due, we we just cobbled together sort of what we had and it wasn't anything. It was just a sequence sequence of shots like stitched together almost like a trailer for for a movie that was supposed to be made, but no, this is the movie. And so it feels like maybe something like that happened. Like it just was a lot of, you know, clashing and they just maybe couldn't find what what could work because you, I can't help but watch this movie and think that they thought this was a good product at the end of it, I guess. Just from just from a production like actual like post-production film standpoint necessarily. Yeah. The material they 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 probably believed in the material to a degree, but afterwards maybe not. I don't know. I just was curious. Yeah, pro- probably while they were filming, I I imagine they thought some of it was like gold. And then once you put it and once you put it together and it, it was like, oh, this is not coming together the way we thought it would at one point. So it has to come out. Like there's there's so many impressions that Dana Carvey did. Like in that like again, in that credit scene, he did so much material for and he, he even had whole other disguise characters that uh like he did sort of like a Mad Hatter from Alice in Wonderland character that was like a toy maker or something and and he shows up briefly in in the credits or like he did um uh maximus yeah he was like a from gladiator. gladiator it's just really weird how that all i don't know it's just it, it, yeah it's very strange uh there's also just a lot of uh mention of like butts uh especially yeah when, when um when when pistachio and his grandfather are trying to find an assistant for him and they're like uh, she, her her butt isn't big enough to be in this uh, to be an assistant <laughs> the whole the whole there's like a whole yeah there's a whole shtick with pistachio pistachio it just it's weird sorry it's just weird um there's a whole shtick with pistachio and the whole disguisey family that they just so happen to all be attracted to big butts and so he meets jennifer jennifer esposito um who uh you know her character does not have a big butt and so they they comment on it a lot and and he makes a lot of uncomfortable remarks in that regard and it's played off for laughs. And it's not really funny. And what else is not funny, too? There's so many movie references in this, so as many. I mentioned. Uh, Tony, like... Like, to- Tony Montana, Jaws. Um, oh, Exorcist. and like when, when, the, when, the, yeah, when the grandfather arrives, it's, it's literally like um, like The Exorcist. <laughs> and it's, and it's, it make, you know what that makes me think of, actually? I, I someone someone asked this in a video I was watching, and w- that's why I wanted to ask you this earlier when I said, "Is this who is this movie aimed for?" Because you can argue maybe they're trying, like especially with the opening, maybe they're trying to go for like a younger audience. But there's so many references to movies that kids will never, will probably shouldn't be watching, and so it kind of makes me think of like the new Space Jam and how. Like we talked about before, you got the Clockwork Orange guys in the background. You got the Night King and Game of Thrones world. And there's even like just other like things that would never come up 
in any sort of childlike thing in like a million years and it's like it's just Warner Brothers just shoving as much IP that they have as possible. And it's just it made me think of that because I'm like I mean you can make you can maybe make the argument that, you know, they're they're trying to like aim it towards the adults watching with the kids, but like the video said, and I agree, um I'll have to find that video just so I can like credit it, but uh I don't think the parents are paying attention at this point in the movie. Right. <laughs> but I mean, even so, it's just, it's a weird choice to, to, but again, I, again, there's a massive question mark on who this movie is aimed for. And I say the same about the pest. Like I have no idea outside of trying to showcase Dana Carvey and John Leguizamo. I have no clue why these movies exist. They just exist to try to try to promote, you know, pr- try to promote that their star Basically, these are trying to be trying to be star vehicles for their for their respective leads, but you know, ultimately, uh, for what one reason or another, they just don't work. It again, you know, it's it's that whole concept of trying to build something around a, a person and their career, and you know, again, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, and then sometimes it really, really doesn't. And comedy again like comedy is a hard is a really hard thing to get right you know mm-hmm. and even in these a film these films initial releases it's it's not like you know you think about like older comedies like vacation you know it, it's it's not like these these were movies that are like okay they're received well but then down the line they're like ah oh, there's some problems with this no these are movies like straight off the bat where like these are bad movies like they were poorly received they they didn't work the moment they were released to the general public and yeah but somehow some way they became nostalgic favorites for two young dudes who would later regret it <laughs> on that note i just want to say um what are your thoughts on either one of these movies what are your favorite projects with either dana carvey or John Leguizamo. And if it happens to be either of these movies, we won't judge. We'll just cry a little. Well, our, our thoughts are, are clear. That's all. You know. Yeah. Um, and that's just... I'm glad that this is going to be shorter than an hour. <laughs> it's like, such a relief. Bandage ripped off, and we're moving on to the next episode, which is going to be significantly more exciting. Ugh. Listen. Let me just tell you guys real quick. Like, Let's just wrap this up on a good note. Because we got some great episodes coming out in the next, like, you know, next few weeks. Like, we got, without saying what it is, we got a really big one coming out um, in relation to something that's going on with Joey and I. And it's going to feature Joey's girlfriend, Allison. She's coming back. We have another episode talking about um, another big trilogy, similar to one we talked about early this season. And for our very next episode, not only are we talking about another movie that we have nostalgia for, but also Joey's going to show me a movie he has nostalgia for that he really likes. And that's a good thing. And we also are going to mention something kind of exciting that's happening to us in that episode. So again, there's some good things coming. Yes. Yes. Uh, some, some exciting stuff. But anyway, folks, that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode of Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Uh, hopefully you'll check us out next week. We're so sorry, everyone. Thank goodness that's over. Why did we do that? 
Anyway, thank you guys again for listening. Sorry for what the episode was about, but hopefully you guys liked it. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Thanks to John and Kenny once again for the amazing music. You guys are always the best part of every episode. And next week, we're talking about good movies. I genuinely mean that. We're talking about two exciting adventure fantasy movies, and one is a Disney musical, so stay tuned for that. <laughs>